You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. Look, these aren't, we always talk about these children. They're not someone else's children. They're our children. We don't know what homeowner, which homeowner shot at him. Um, I guess they think that they did something wrong, which they did not. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. As if they don't have enough issues to deal with, they now have an idea, and I honestly thought this was just a belated April Fool's joke. But they are actually going to create in the Department of Homeland Security a Bureau of Disinformation. It's basically a ministry of truth. And what they want to do is they want to be able to put out false narratives without people being able to speak out and fight back. Damn you, 
Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I am your ever-so-humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, and I am coming to you from historic, lovely, beautiful, and uh, quite, quite sultry uh, Roan County, Tennessee. Is uh, We've had some nice, nice weather the last couple of days. Had a great weekend. Time of the live broadcast for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on terrestrial radio happens to be on May 1st. It is a Sunday. It is the first day of the month of May. And things just keep spiraling and spiraling. I do have some new equipment on the way in. And, uh, you know, initially I was told by tracking data that it would be here uh, on Saturday. Uh, it was not. And now I'm told to expect it by the 4th. And I'm thinking 4th. If it was supposed to be here yesterday, the last day of the month of April, I understand it not arriving on the 1st of May, it being a Sunday, but but by the 4th. Uh, according to the tracking information, it is literally at the local hub. It arrived there early enough at the local hub on uh, Saturday morning that I don't understand why it didn't get here in the first place. But, hey, stuff happens. Stuff's going on. Everybody's struggling uh, due to the whole Biden economic cascading effect of destroying every company down the road. And if it turns out they were just that shorthanded, then so be it. But I really, really hope that it gets here by Monday because I've got to get back to getting guests scheduled. I'm going to have time to acclimate to the new equipment. So come on, guys. All right. Some of the uh, things that have transpired since last we got together, especially given that the last time we got together was basically just me rehashing some past interviews where I was so angry at the failures of the previous day. Well, at any rate, uh, let's let's get into it, shall we? I mean, we we've had this uh, little dust up between Elon Musk and AOC. Uh, of course, I think it's mostly AOC being herself and Elon just doing what he does, trolling her a bit. Certainly, certainly a lot of fun. We've had the introduction, the official introduction of. Well, they're saying it's the. Disinformation Council, but uh, let's call it what it is. It is the Ministry of Truth from 1984. And for those of you that are too young or are victims of the liberal education in the United States now and haven't read a book, uh, 1984 is a dystopian novel. I know I keep referencing it here like everybody should know because that's because I know most of the people that listen to this show do know. We have been living for some while now in this rather unpleasant conglomeration of 1984 and a brave new world, and you may even be able to throw a, a little bit of animal farm in there just for the fun of it. But uh, at any rate, this dystopian future we have come straight out of it, the Ministry of Truth, which, you know... Uh, sounds perfectly pleasant, sounds like a good thing, and that's been the issue for a while. We have these people that are passing laws that they name things like the Affordable Care Act, 
when in truth they should have called it, we don't care if you can afford health care act is what it should have been called. We were told by one of the loudest voices out there talking about how we need to better regulate disinformation on social media. We were told by that guy, you know the one, went to school in Indonesia, we've been told was born in Hawaii, managed to elevate himself all the way into the office of President of the United States. The current guy was that guy's vice president. You know, Barack Hussein, Alu Akbar, Obama. Yeah, that guy. We're being told by him. We're being lectured by him. Any any microphone that will let him stand in front of it, where there's more than two people that are willing to listen to him say, we're being lectured by that guy. The guy who told us that if we liked our doctor, we could keep our doctor. Back when they were trying to foist government control of health care upon the American people. That guy a master of disinformation. We're being told about how government needs to have bigger control over disinformation. Now, that should chill every red-blooded American. There should be a little cold shiver running down your back. We, we should recognize that slippery slope that talking about that kind of thing Brings you right up to, we're past the point of looking down at the slippery slope. We're halfway down it, and we're picking up speed, boys and girls. We've got to hit the brakes, and we've got to start finding a way to climb back up. But this is a, this is a thing. We've got 94% of Americans that are concerned about inflation. Well, according to a new poll, 9 out of 10 of them are uh, concerned about inflation. According to this poll, more than a 1,000 adults conducted by the Washington Post and ABC News happened between April 24th and 28th. Fully 94% of the Americans are either upset or concerned about the impact of skyrocketing inflations, and the poll asked respondents thinking about the current rate of inflation, meaning rising prices, is, is this something you are upset about, concerned about, but not upset, or not concerned about at all? Some 40% of adults say that they were upset about inflation. Another 50% said they were concerned, but not upset. And just 6% said that they were not concerned. The poll also asked respondents their opinion of how President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. was handling his job as president. The overall approval was underwater. By 10 points, 42% of voters approved of barely there Beijing Biden's job, while 52% disapproved. Broken down by intensity... Americans had a much stronger negative feeling about Biden than positive. Respondents who approved of Biden were evenly split. 21% strongly approved, while 21% somewhat approved. And respondents who disapproved were much more intense. 42% of respondents strongly disapproved, while just 10% somewhat disapproved. Biden's approval of 
on individual issues was significantly lower. He scored a positive approval rating on his handling of the COVID-19 pandemic with a 51% approval and a 43% disapproval. But he was underwater on literally every other issue. Biden was five points underwater on his handling of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. 42% of respondents approved, 47 disapproved. On job creation, 41 of American, 41% of Americans approved, while 46% disapproved. Just 38% approved of Biden's handling of the economy, while 57% disapproved. On the issue of inflation specifically, just 28% of Americans approved of Biden's handling, while 68% disapproved. And reading those numbers out loud makes me, makes me want to just look to myself and say, Lord, we need to pray. For that 38% that's approving of Biden's handling of the economy. Obviously, these are leftist ideologues who their desire is to tank the U.S. economy. That's the only way you can approve of this because it's the only thing that's come from it. Now, this poll also asked respondents which party they trusted more on key issues finding that Republicans had double-digit leads in trust on several key issues. On the economy, 50% of Americans said they trusted the Republican Party more, compared with 36% of people who said they trusted the Democratic Party more. A plurality, plurality, blah, blah, blah. English really is my first language, I swear. Uh, (laughs) A nearly even split of Americans... 47% said that they trusted Republicans more on crime, while 35% said they trusted Democrats more. Americans trusted Republicans to handle inflation specifically. By a massive 19-point margin, 50% of respondents favored Republicans to handle the issues, while just 31% favored Democrats. Americans also slightly favored Republicans on immigration, with a 43% of adults favoring Republicans and 40% favoring Democrats. And something tells me that has more to do with that disinformation that's out there. That disinformation that if only that's what they were really going to cut down on. Also, a little bit of news that I'm guessing will probably be underreported. There's a television anchor from upstate New York. Their NBC affiliate there, actually. He was caught on video after allegedly driving three hours for a rendezvous with what he thought was a 15-year-old boy. Zach Wheeler, an anchor with the news... I'm sorry, an, an anchor and the news director for WETM-TV in Elmira. He was reportedly placed on leave after being trapped in a sting set up by a group called 607 Predator Hunters. On videos released by the group, Wheeler is confronted in a Dick's Sporting Goods where he was allegedly supposed to meet a teen. Why do you guys do this gay and lesbian people? Why do you guys do this to gay and lesbian people? Really? How about how, why are you doing this to a child, a 15-year-old or at least that's what you thought. 
I mean, I'm having flashbacks of Chris Hansen here on Datelight to catch a predator. Uh, in the video that was posted this past Saturday, the man identified as Wheeler is confronted in the store, uh, although the location is not given. Sunday evening around 5 p.m., Zach came to meet what he thought was a 15-year-old boy. The narration begins. Shocked upon our team's arrival, we followed up with some questions to find out exactly what his intentions were. The man identified as Wheeler wearing an untucked pink Oxford shirt, shorts, and sunglasses is confronted by the 607 Predators crew and then agrees to step outside to talk, all the while denying he's there for nefarious reasons. No nefarious reasons for me. That's not what the uh, chat log says, a crew member interjected. I thought the kid was 18. I wasn't looking to have sex. Wheeler then says that uh, he's working on a story about the dangers of online predators. So, uh, you know, nice try, buddy. Nice try. Is it any wonder that folks on the left are all about trying to make sure that Disney doesn't face a, a heavy price for grooming behavior? Is it any wonder why some people are thinking that uh, we should still make exemptions, should still treat this as if, I don't know, like it's a, a true free speech issue? Because, you know, free speech is one thing. But hasn't it been the left for a very long time now that's been trying to tell us, the conservatives and the independent thinkers and the more libertarians among us, aren't they the ones who've been trying to tell us that there are certain kinds of speech that just aren't protected by the First Amendment? I would tend to think that there are indeed some types of speech that aren't protected and those those kinds of speech tend to actually be criminal in nature. I would tend to argue that a bald, flat-in-your-face lie should not be protected speech, that there should be consequences for lying. I mean, if you're under oath, there are, or at least there's supposed to be, although uh, let's take a long, hard look at it. I think that only applies to the average, everyday American and anybody in politics if they have an R at the end of their name. Very rarely is somebody that has a D at the end of their name held accountable for being less than truthful while under oath. I mean, perjury is still technically a crime, right? It's just, as with everything else, this deal goes one way. Perjury is a crime, but only the criminality exists for those of us who, you know, disagree with the left. But uh, making these denials, trying to set up children for bad things, for questionable things, for confusing, isn't that criminal, or at least shouldn't it be? I mean, we've got the left pushing really hard to make it not criminal, but I think most of us are in, agree in agreement that it is, in fact, criminal, that it is, in fact, child abuse, that it is, in fact, an action that has severe and significant harm attached to it. And yet, we're the bad guys for noticing that they're doing it. Now, I heard a very interesting debate uh, the other day, on Friday evening, in fact, when I was listening, between a free speech absolutist who is upset with DeSantis in Florida 
for going after Disney. And even though the point being made by the other individual in this debate was that this special uh, rule, the special zoning power, the special tax break that had been given to Disney forever isn't a God-given right like your freedom of expression. It was a special special exemption made by the government. Therefore, the government should have, for any reason and rationale, the right to remove it. As long as they do so within the law, the confines of the law. You know, you have to go about doing it the right way. You pass a law to create this special zone, then you have to pass a law to remove that special zone. So the argument being made by one Andrew Clavin uh, was that since this was a special right that had been bestowed upon them by the government of Florida, then they didn't even really need a rationale. And then the argument being made by this other person wasn't that Florida and DeSantis and company didn't have a right to go after Disney and take that special privilege away from them in general and refuse to even discuss whether or not the right should have ever been given because in her mind, uh, that's a completely different conversation. She said, yes, when it comes down to it, no business should have any special advantage granted by government over any other business that may be trying to get a foothold. So she's not opposed to going after it. She was opposed to DeSantis going after specifically because they decided to get involved in state politics. So it's a very interesting debate, and if you uh, have not heard it, I highly recommend you go check out that portion of the Andrew Clavin show because it's a good point. But at the end of the day, I can understand where somebody's coming from. Nobody should have their speech chilled. You know, you you shouldn't have to feel as if you're under some terrible threat. But there was nothing that DeSantis and Florida did to keep Disney from continuing to do exactly what they're doing. They just said, okay, you want to get into the world of politics. This is a good opportunity to us for us to review what you have benefited from the world of politics by being this trusted source of children's entertainment, by being this corporation that had been behaving as a person that had the interest of children at heart, even though you still clearly had your issues ongoing. And we'll circle back around to that uh, in the second hour because I've got a story I hope to get to uh, as far as that's concerned. But it's still a situation where you have to kind of wonder... Why are general conservatives separated on this ideology? Disney is the one that is out of bounds, and Disney decided to get into politics. And, uh, yeah, I don't like the idea of somebody making up an enemies list. I don't like the idea of a company that's just doing its actual work, being targeted and criticized by politicians. I don't like that idea unless you break it down a little closer and look at and see what that work is. And the work is now officially designed as pushing as much queer content into children's programming as possible. That, 
by a definition, if we go back a few years, still falls into criminal activity. Uh, corporations are not allowed to engage in criminal activity. Now, some people are going to say, Tim, you're being over the top with that. You, you, but am I? They are endangering and abusing children. They're not actively engaged in physical abuse, but they are engaged in mental abuse. And that, if that's something that you have to deal with in court sessions when it comes to things like, oh, I don't know, let's say divorce. There, if you're getting a divorce, uh, there is a significant amount of impact that is applied to an abusive or toxic situation. The relationship became toxic, not because of physical abuse, but because of mental abuse and cruelty. If that is recognized officially uh, within the legal system, then this same level of mental abuse uh, that's engaging in grooming behavior for these children should also be recognize, shouldn't it? Or am I just off my rocker there? I mean, feel free to correct me if you think I'm wrong. Um, but you best come with facts and real information when you do, because this is a legitimate question, and there is no question about whether or not this is indeed mentally abusive. It just is. Meanwhile, let's move on. One more quick hit before we... Uh, Look at taking the uh, mid-hour break and then moving on to the major stories for uh, today that I wanted to talk about. Evidently, we're still finding all kinds of money just, I don't know, hidden in our coat pockets from last winter. I, and old pair of jeans that we had put away, maybe we haven't fit into. I don't know where Biden's finding all this money. But the U.S. is sending Ukraine new classified suicide drones. You know, to destroy Russian forces. You know, we're doing our part to be uh, really good, uh, what, warmongers now? Is is that what we're doing? I mean, I, I get – I'm not a fan of the idea or the notion that Russia just rolls into Ukraine and starts all this crap. I'm not. You've heard me say as much on multiple occasions. But at the same time – I can't see us continuing to spend so much money uh, that we clearly do not have. Uh, we're talking about student uh, loan debt uh, and forgiveness there, which is just going to put inflation over the top. And we'll talk a little more about that later, too. But we are literally at a point where we are now facing a multitude of financial disastrous activities where we need to reel that in before complete and total collapse. And if Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is not on Team America, then we really need to step up and do what's necessary to impeach or, and or remove him, impeach and or remove Kamala, impeach and or remove Nancy Mimi Pelosi, and we need to keep going till we get far enough down the list that we eventually get to somebody that at the very least is going to recognize that their first job isn't to enrich themselves, their first job isn't to destroy this republic, their first job isn't to try and crush down those of us who are still liberty-minded with enough backbone and gumption to speak up. No, their first job is to serve the American people, and by doing so, they serve everyone at an equal platform if they just do what's best for the economy. 
And that means sometimes having to step away from pet projects. That means sometimes having to recognize that things are going poorly. That means sometimes understanding that while they might like to push forward with a green new deal, that maybe that just needs to wait a while. And by wait a while, in this instance, I mean should be never done ever because it's a bunch of crap. But hey, let's let the uh, markets actually solve for climate change issues, shall we? Uh, it's much better at dealing with any issue that comes along anyway. History has shown us this, which is also part of why the left pushes so hard to try to make sure that there's no semblance of history available for you to learn. And while they'll put a nice little fat checker label on any content I happen to put out there trying to say otherwise, any content that any other host tries to put out there saying otherwise, uh, on any content that an author tries to put out there saying otherwise, because, of course, uh, they control the ministry of truth. Well, let's take that... uh Let's take that mid-hour break and uh, get back at it. I'll be back right after this. You guys don't go anywhere. I will be right back. Is not this simpler? Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. economy has endured the abysmal policies of the Biden regime, and results are not promising. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Since the first day of the Biden regime, rickety Joe Biden has enacted only negative policies to ensure long-term damage and a big slowdown of the U.S. economy, starting with the shutdown of the U.S. fuel industry 
by not allowing the Keystone Pipeline and refusing to allow drilling on federal lands and making up more and more environmental extremist restrictions which have nothing to do with cleaning up the environment but are designed to cripple the economy and have taken their toll on our ability to simply run a business, open a new business, make simple purchases of food items, clothing items, or even gardening tools due to inhibiting restrictions and regulations and policies that were designed to chase manufacturing out of our nation, making us dependent upon a choked-up supply line. So now the U.S. economy has shrunk 1.5%. China's economy grew 4.8%. Time for a change, America because more of the same will likely destroy our exceptional nation way of life. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. I'm so tired of trickle-down economics. And I never found that trickle-down on top of my head very much. I was listed, I was, had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had making a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make money while you're in office. What's up with all the food processing plant fires and explosions? Hmm? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, this year alone, 17 food processing plants have either caught fire or exploded or both. Also, logistics centers such as the Walmart Distribution Center in Indianapolis went up in flames in March, along with other huge facilities as well. Please don't try to label me as a conspiracy theorist, but 17 food processing centers burned up or exploding this year alone? A month ago, and recently again, regime figurehead Joe Biden spoke of coming food shortages. Let's not forget that many U.S. farmers were forced by the bullying Biden regime to destroy their crops last year. This year, while the world watched the media focus on Putin's effort to invade Ukraine and allegedly cleaning out human trafficking tunnels there, Bill Gates has been buying up massive acreage of U.S. farmland along with China. Some, including yours truly, believes the government that can impeach the 45th president of the United States based upon a series of lies knowingly is capable of any atrocity imaginable, including harming our food supplies. I say prepare now for the worst possible scenario, or it's better to have and not need than to need and not have. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. My name's Joe Biden. All men and women created by the go, you know the you know the thing. <laughs> Joe Brandon, I agree. I mean, he has made clear that uh, 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 well, I uh, walk around the world to ease my trouble. No, I'm not thanking you. No, no. I promise you. The president has a big stick. I keep forgetting I'm president. Oh, Joe, I wish I could keep forgetting you were president, too. But alas, it is difficult because I'm feeling it more and more every single day. I've got a family to try to take care of. And I've got a job that, while, of course, it's a very good job, I have no complaints about the work. It's facing 
its own set of challenges that are a result of the cascading, continuing effect of shortages of employees and shortages of items available. It's absolutely terrifying what some of the things are on the table. And at some point, through no fault of my own, I may be no longer to continue in that job simply because the business itself is not going to be able to continue to manufacture itself without availability of ingredients, without availability of individual items that are used in the shipping of items from our location to the next location. It's just mind-boggling. But you know what? We, we've got war going on in Ukraine. We've got uh, continuing economic issues here. But it's okay because their priorities are in the right place. They're creating the Ministry of Truth. Yeah. My Orcus was, of course, on just about every Sunday morning program that's hosted by a leftist. And uh, he was going around giving the explanation why they need to have this organization and also defending the choice to be the new head. But in this entire time, while My Orcus is making these excuses and telling us how they're not the, the opinion police and they're, they're not really going to be doing a whole lot of – snooping and taking in information and trying to punish us individual citizens for saying and doing things they disagree with. Uh, well, while that's going on, there was a report from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence that was released this past Friday, of course, the usual Friday afternoon dump. This report revealed that the Bureau conducted up to 3.4 million searches of U.S. data drawn from the National Security Agency. Now, senior Biden administration officials told the Wall Street Journal that the numbers likely inflated due to the way that individual queries are tabulated. But, you see, the number is still nearly triple of what it was the year before. Uh, quoting here from Ben Huber, Hubner, apologies, uh, quote, we're committed to proactively informing the public who entrust us to protect our nation and our civil liberties on the intelligence community's use of key national security authorities. Now, Ben, of course, is uh, the ODNI Chief of Civil Liberties, Privacy and Transparency, now, this report is the first time that the U.S. intelligence agency has published an accounting of how the FBI scoops up data through Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. The FBI has been heavily criticized for abusing this process in the Trump-Russia collusion investigation and Section 702, which governs the Bureau's actions, is set to expire next year. The NSA collects vast amounts of data from international phone calls and emails under the law passed in the wake of 9-11, you know, in order to safeguard national security, or at least that's how it was sold. But the data is only analyzed if the intelligence agency culls it from the NSA database. Uh, you still believing that, or are you buying it? I mean, I hate to sound like I've got the tinfoil hat on, but I think at this point... They have proven themselves as to who they are and what they're doing. 
at this point, the notion of a deep state is no longer scoffed at and considered to be conspiracy theory talk, although the professional liars who will be working for the Ministry of Truth will continue to tell us that, won't they? The 3.4 million figure, well, that's certainly a large number, according to the senior FBI official who told reporters this past Friday after the report was released, saying, quote, I'm not going to pretend that it isn't. Well, good. I'm glad you're not going to pretend that it's not a large number. I'm not I'm glad you're not going to pretend that it's not just business as usual, that it's not just everything going about a regular business day. The NSA, the FBI, the CIA, well, we're just all just doing our regular thing. It's been like this forever. This is nothing new. It's just three times more than last year. The majority of the searches, however, were related to an investigation into alleged attempts by alleged Russian actors to, to hack into the U.S. infrastructure, at least, again, according to a U.S. official uh, speaking to the Wall Street Journal. The report does not say how many individual Americans may have had their data searched as some queries involved that same people. Uh, in other words, uh, somebody might have been conducting... If you had a cousin that was working in Russia and you were having back-and-forth conversations, you were texting, you were emailing, then you may have gotten popped multiple times during the course of this investigation. You, as an individual, may account for 30, 40, maybe even two, 300 of these 3.4 million times that they scooped up this data. Now, further complicating the matter is that the 3.4 million figure is at least partially based on search terms that were used, and some searches were conducted using Hundreds of terms. So, yay, they figured out how the Internet works. They figured out how using a search query on a search engine works. They figured out that by adding additional keywords in their search, additional results may pop up. The idea, for those of us who have yet to, to conduct a accurate Internet search... The more keywords you put in, the more responses you're going to get that claim to match your query. Now, this is not a new concept for these supposed professionals, right? If they are professional at what they're doing, uh, presumably they understand and they know exactly what they're looking for. So then they also know exactly that when you cast a wider net you're going to get more innocent people caught up in that net. But you don't concern yourself with the innocence or the civil liberties or the right to privacy for the average American citizen because you now work for the Ministry of Truth. And it is now our responsibility to prove our innocence in the new age. The concept of due process has been scoffed at, laughed at, and completely ignored now for a while. They don't like the idea of due process because when due process occurs, innocent people 
who defended themselves from criminals are allowed to walk free, and it doesn't matter what the narrative was. Criminals who may be people of color end up being incarcerated, or worse, if they resist arrest, if they create hazardous situations. And there are no negative repercussions for the individuals that incarcerate these individuals, regardless of what the narrative is. That's why due process is such a negative to these people, because due process can lead to guilty people getting away with stuff. But it also goes a long way towards helping to guarantee that innocent people don't face consequences that they shouldn't have to. So, yeah, the left wants to do away with due process, and the left doesn't want you to have any clue that the whole time they're telling you that you should trust them, they're already snooping on you anyway. Isn't that a great story? Meanwhile, while this is going on, Nina Jankowitz, I, I think that's her proper last name, uh, the new head of the newly announced Disinformation Governance Board, a.k.a. the Ministry of Truth. Uh, well, Nina, she's all set to, to take over, but there's been several videos that have been released of her overt activism over the last several years. A video from two years ago uh, popped up suggesting that she was uncomfortable with the executive branch having the kind of power over free speech uh, that supposedly this disinformation governance board would have. She, uh, she only had that problem, though, when it was the orange man who's bad, the, uh, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the, the climate arsonist, you know. That guy, the Donald John Trump, when he was the chief executive, that's when she had real trouble. She was very uncomfortable with the executive branch having this kind of power then. But presumably she has a lot more trust in, in the ability of Democrats to, to conduct this type of work. So a number of past comments, tweets, and videos have begun to surface after it was announced that she was to lead this brand new federal government entity, which of course will endeavor to counter the spread of false information. Uh, endeavor away uh, there, Nina, uh, and good luck with that. Something tells me that you're being put in a position much like Lois Lerner was when she was uh, heading up the IRS. There's a reason why we were told heads would roll from Barack Obama, and yet Lois Slarter just got moved laterally to another position until she was able to retire with full benefits because she was put there to do that job, target the Tea Parties, target the political rivals and political opponents of one Barack Hussein Alu Akbar Obama while he was in office, target them, and then if you get caught, I'll cover for you because as long as you do the job well, you don't have to worry. We will take care of you.
Something tells me that Nina's being put in a position to do the exact same thing. Here, silence the right. Silence the conservatives. Memory hole, anything we don't want remembered, take care of it right away. Regulate social media platforms. How dare Elon Musk think that he's going to be able to open up the algorithm and let people see what's going on. No, no, no. We can't have that. (laughs) Anyway, these particular comments, they've raised a few questions as to whether or not she could do do the job with equal measure without imposing her political views. I kind of doubt that she can or even has an interest in it. Don't really believe that's the reason she's being put in this position. But perhaps the most eye-opening video from all of these past incidents, comments, and tweets is one that comes from May of 2020. This is one where she argued that the executive branch, then occupied by former President Donald Trump, should not have the power to determine what information was true and what information was not. Saying, quote, imagine that, you know, with President Trump right now calling all of these news organizations that have inconvenient for him stories that they're getting out there that he's calling fake news and now lashing out at platforms. Nina also said, quote, I would never want to see our executive branch have that sort of power. And that's why, you know, the legislative process with our duly elected officials is really important. That sort of consultative rulemaking process, we can't just govern by executive order anymore. What what does she mean anymore? I mean, we have existed in this country for an extremely long amount of time, about 200 years or so, with very few executive orders being used to govern. The majority of executive orders are meant to simply let the executive branch employees know how the current chief executive expects them to carry out the responsibilities that they have. It hasn't been until a relatively recent development and still predominantly pushed forward by Democrats that the whole notion of executive orders having the same merit and same level of authority as a law has ever been permitted in this country. And they've almost cemented the whole notion and idea under Barack Obama because so many people with R's at the end of their name didn't want to take him to court often enough to get them removed or reversed because he never had the authority and they didn't want to be called racist. You know, because that's the playbook, right? I mean, at this point, I think if somebody on the left calls you a racist, it means you just won an argument against them and they've got nothing left. That's part of why they say it so often. And it's been used so frequently and so often. I don't know that there's anybody out there that legitimately still considers being called a racist, even something to ruffle your feathers. It used to be one of those daggers to the heart. It used to be something that would cut you to the quick. If if you were not a racist, but somebody thought something you said or did was racist, 
It would hurt you. It would wound you. Not anymore. They've used it too much. They've desensitized us to it, which is part of their plan too, I suppose, but I don't know if they realize it's just not helping them anymore. This lady, Nina, 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 just, if you honestly believe that the executive branch didn't have that authority and should never have that authority, why didn't you turn this position down? Why didn't you tell those who are trying to create this new monstrosity to control the thoughts and the expressions of people online. Why didn't you tell these people that this is uh, not only an issue when Donald Trump is uh, sitting in the uh, White House, but this is an issue no matter who's there. This whole idea, this whole notion that somehow they're going to preserve free speech by limiting speech more and more, that they're somehow going to preserve democracy by not letting people have information to make reasonable choices to vote for this, this idea that somehow they're going to save the American Republic. Uh, no, wait, they never use the word republic, do they? They're not interested in saving the republic. They're happy knowing that a close to 50% of Americans have no idea that this was never a democracy. They like that idea. They like pushing the notion that, hey, one voice, one vote, and it should always be a majority because right now we have the majority. But you better believe we're going to go back to those minority rights as soon as we're not the ones with the most votes. <sighs> so here we are, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. The FBI has snooped on you three times more last year than the year before. And they don't really have an excuse. They just try to say, well, you know, we use more keywords in the searches. There might have been a lot of the same people that kept popping up. So, you know, but, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Trust us. My orcas once seriously wants to testify in front of Congress that they have operational control of the southern border. So then what, which is it, uh, my orcas? The one question that I have yet to hear anybody ask, which is it? Are you lying about have oper having operational control of the southern border? Or are you lying about not having an open border by choice? Because you can't have it both ways. If you do have operational control, then you're admitting this is what you're trying to accomplish. If you're lying about having operational control, then maybe we can still believe you want in some fashion to have some level of, of control of that border. You just – you can't admit how incompetent you are. You can't admit how badly you failed. You can't admit that you've been utilizing – uber-leftist ideologies that fail, that are not humane, that are not compassionate, that lead to human trafficking, that lead to sex trafficking, that lead to unlimited supplies of extremely dangerous drugs coming across this country, killing Americans at a clip beforehand never imaginable. So I get that you can't admit that, but you see the problem here, just like before, is you guys, right before you came into office, you saw something being executed that was working, that was slowing it down, that was containing the cartels. Now, 
granted, it was going to take way more than just four years to get it done. It's probably going to take way more than eight years to get it done. But nobody, nobody believed it would be possible to have the impact that the short amount of time that Don Trump had to try to make things occur there. Nobody could have imagined in that time frame he would have had that level of impact, that he would have been that positive to our economy, that he would have regained the type of respect around the world that while they weren't happy, they might not have liked him. They might have even tried to joke and laugh about him uh, when uh, he said something they thought was never going to stand, but they dang well respected him, and he made inroads in places that nobody thought he could. The Abraham Accords exist today. Although they're teetering and they're at risk of dissolving because of the actions of Joe Biden since then. But they exist today because of Donald John Trump. It is time you leftists stopped treating him like he was some scary boogeyman and started acting like this guy had some stuff that worked. Maybe you don't like the late night mean tweets. Maybe you don't like the use of the term fake news. Maybe you just don't like the look of his uh, head when his hair is blowing in the wind and he's trying to comb over and you're trying to decide if that hair is real or not. We all heard. Maybe, maybe you don't like any of that. But there are... Very few average everyday Americans that cannot honestly say that they were not better off on a day-to-day basis when that man was the one occupying the White House and when his policies were being enacted. Or at the very least, he was stopping the left from pushing even further ahead with their agenda. If it hadn't been for COVID happening when it did and him the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, the orange man who's bad, him putting too much faith in people like Dr. Fauci and other accredited scientists who were really just political activists. If it wasn't for him putting too much faith in what they had to say, then things would still be a heck of a lot better. Anyway, that's going to have to be it for this hour because – you know, I got to do the reset for the folks listening on Terrestrial Radio. You get one hour at a time. So remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. If you are listening on Terrestrial Radio, tune in again tomorrow at the same time to get hour number two of tonight's broadcast. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, stay right where you're at. Hour number two starts right after this. And, hey, yeah, by the way, hey, Joe. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. You know what they From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that unions saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows 
to Tim Tap and tap into the truth. Look, these aren't we always talk about these children. They're not someone else's children. There are children. We don't know what homeowner, which homeowner shot at him. Um, I guess they think that they did something wrong, which they did not. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. As if they don't have enough issues to deal with, they now have an idea. And I honestly thought this was just a belated April Fool's joke. But they are actually going to create, in the Department of Homeland Security, a bureau of disinformation. It's basically a ministry of truth. And what they want to do is they want to be able to put out false narratives without people being able to speak out and fight back.
W-N. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap. And I'm coming to you from beautiful, lovely, scenic, historic Roan County, Tennessee. All right, we're uh, we're still kicking it uh, around and uh, trying to strike back against the ministry of truth and, uh, you know, just trying to maintain a little level of sanity out here in this crazy, crazy world that we call the United States of America. Uh, that's where we're at. But these folks have completely and totally lost their ever-loving minds, and they still manage to find a small percentage of Americans that are supporting them, at least if you believe all the polls. And, you know, I I wouldn't blame you if you didn't believe all the polls, but there's at least some of them that you probably should. Uh, some of these are realistic. Some of these folks are, you know, they're victims of the public school system and the total takeover from the left that we've seen occur there. They're victims of the state-run media, which, of course, they're not run by the state, but they might as well be. I mean, these folks are more responsive to the Biden administration as they were to the Obama administration before that than what we see in state-run media in places like Russia and China. At least there are some dissidents there that occasionally get in trouble and disappear. Here, they're all lockstep. I mean, they even want to be extremely insultive of uh, the folks over at Fox News and the Fox News, other than other than the Ducey guy, um, they're really not a whole lot better these days. I mean, if you're on the opinion shows after the fact, okay, but um, just straight up news, yeah, they're they're not that different than CNN and MSNBC and that sadly dear departed CNN Plus. Such a tragedy, such a tragedy. All right, one of the things that's happened since last we got together uh, that I meant to mention back in the first hour, this is, of course, the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast. If you happen to be listening to the uh, rebroadcast of the show on Terrestrial Radio, you're probably hearing this on a Tuesday, and that's uh, unfortunate because some stuff has happened since then and now because time of this broadcast happens to be on Sunday. This is May 1st. It's May Day. May 1st, 2022. And wow. We had the uh, White House Correspondents Dinner over the weekend. Evidently, I didn't watch any of it. I have intentionally tried to avoid looking at any of the headlines with people talking about stuff that had been said. I, I have zero interest. I, I can't imagine that anything worthwhile or fun even occurred. I'm sure there was some jokes told about inflation and that uh, Joe Biden probably laughed about that. And, uh, you know, just anything to besmirch Fox News, anything to uh, uh, laugh at those of us that live in flyover country. Yeah, that's what they do, right? So at any rate, all that happened, and that's great. Spent some time talking in the first segment back in hour number one today about the little dust-up between Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Elon Musk. And, uh, you know, 
it, it's sad. I, it summed up pretty well in one of the funniest memes that I saw over the weekend, uh, that being a picture, a very angry AOC, and the caption said that if I had uh, spent money on a college degree and came out that dumb, I would want a refund too. And I think that encapsulates that pretty well. We also talked back in the first hour about how the FBI has uh, conducted three times more searches of your collected data than they had in the previous year, despite the fact that they are still trying to tell us, hey, trust us. And, uh, you know, we'll take care of all that nasty disinformation on the Internet, too. We've got you covered. We want to make sure that you don't have to be bothered about trying to figure out for yourself what may or may be truth. Well, truth is the currency of the realm on this broadcast. That's part of the title, even. We try to tap into the truth here. And one of the very... What's what's a good word? It's kind of underappreciated truth issues right now ongoing with the administration because we've heard for some time now uh, the the need for student loan debt and student loan debt forgiveness is really the need. Uh, I don't know that you need to have student loan debt. I know a lot of folks go to trade schools, come out, and uh, they're doing okay right out the gate. And they never spent the same amount of money. They learned to trade, got good, and had a had a great career. Now, the trades are not for everybody. Some folks they need college to to do something. I I don't know what, but you know, even then, you need to be more selective about what classes you attend. If you're trying to get a major in, uh, I don't know, third century lesbian poetry then maybe you should have some type of specialized plan about how you're going to monetize that when you get done, or you shouldn't be racking up a lot of debt while you're in school. And I'm sorry, but I will not be lectured to by people that want to tell me that it's not reasonable to expect 17- and 18-year-olds, although it's not legal for 17-year-olds to sign the paperwork in the first place. You have to be 18 to get your own student loans. But they say that it's not reasonable to expect 18-year-olds to be able to uh, to understand the complexities of these student loans, and therefore it's not it's not moral to expect them to have to pay that back when these are the exact same people that try to tell us sometimes even in the same sentence that a four-year-old should be allowed to determine what their gender is based on how they're feeling in the moment. So, I mean, we're kind of back to that you can't have it both ways thing we were talking about back in the first hour when it comes to my orcas in the southern border. Do not testify to me that you have operational control of the southern border and then also try to tell me that uh, you don't have an intentional open border. Because either the border is open intentionally because you have operational control or – the border is open because you're totally and completely incompetent. And I am a person who loves, who in fact prefers to assign incompetence as opposed to actual malice when it comes to the results of what things are occurring. When people go do a, a job and they're really, really bad at it, 
I, I much prefer to give them what little bit of benefit of the doubt that exists there and just imagine that they're just completely incompetent as opposed to believe that they went out with ill intent in the first place and are still trying to cover their ill intent by pretending to be that incompetent. But we do eventually get to a point in time where you've seen models that work, so the idea of an unintended consequence kind of eventually evaporates. It goes away. When you do what you're trying to do right now, and you've done it before, and the same thing happened, is it really a surprise that you get the same result? If there is, there's a word for that. It's called insanity. And then you're no longer just incompetent. You're still incompetent, but you're no longer just incompetent. You are in need of professional health care of a mental variety. So, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm not going to be lectured about how we need to let this uh, student loan debt just be forgiven under this imaginary authority that Joe Biden now seems to think he has when these are the same people that are telling us our four-year-olds uh, can decide, you know, if they need to be put on a path that leads to mutilation of their genitalias and uh, hormonal treatments that will prevent them from living a normal, healthy life. I just, just no. But anyway, uh, Joe Biden is still, in fact, considering canceling student loan debt. And uh, at least one expert is warning that the move could worsen inflation. What a shocker. Earlier this week, Biden confirmed reports that uh, he is indeed considering dealing with some debt reduction, although not the $50,000 per borrower debt reduction favored by progressives, uh, saying, quote, I'm in the process of taking a hard look at whether or not there will be additional debt forgiveness, and I'll have an answer on that in the next couple of weeks. Now, in response... Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, President Maya McGinnis, said this past Wednesday that debt cancellation would contribute to rising prices. Student debt, uh, quoting now, student debt cancellations may be an extremely appealing political talking point, but it's not good policy. It is costly, inflationary, poorly targeted, and fails to address the root problems in our higher education financing system. Full debt cancellation would be a massive handout to rich doctors and lawyers who would worsen our inflation crisis and would cost almost as much as the entire 2017 tax cuts. Even partial debt cancellation would be costly, regressive, and inflationary. Forgiving $10,000 per person of debt would cost as much as universal pre-K or a full extension of the expanded ACA subsidies. That's the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare, in case you didn't pick up on the acronym. An earlier committee for a responsible federal budget analysis uh, penned that the cost of universal pre-K would fall somewhere in the neighborhood of $150 billion. As of quarter number two of 2021, Americans 
owed a whopping $1.73 trillion in student loans, according to the Federal Reserve Estimate. Back to quoting now from McGinnis. Either the president is serious about reducing deficits and getting inflation under control, or he's not. Well, you know where my money is. He's not. Anyway, she concluded, the White House can't have it both ways. We need to be focusing on a serious and effective agenda that prioritizes sound policies, not poorly targeted political giveaways. So beyond the White House, there are, of course, several leading Democrats that are embracing the idea of a full erasure of $50,000 or more in student loan debt and have repeatedly pressured Biden into supporting their plans. Saying, quote, this, of course, from Chucky Schumer, we want our young people to realize that they can have a good future. One of the best, very best, top of the list ways to do this is by canceling student debt, by getting rid of the $50,000, even going higher after that. Now, in the meantime, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., a.k.a. Barely There, Beijing Biden, he extended the student loan repayment moratorium through August 31st. The freeze, of course, was originally slated to end uh, today, time of the actual broadcast, May 1st of 2022. So if you're listening to the show after May 1st, then, you know. A group of House Democrats sent a letter to Biden back in March asking Joe to extend the pause through the end of the year. And, of course, Senator Cherokee Princess herself, Elizabeth Warren, insisted that Biden has the authority to forgive all the more than $1.6 trillion in student loans held by borrowers. I would still love to know exactly where this authority comes from, Elizabeth. I mean, you're not somebody I trust anyway. After all, I have a friend that you sold a red Cherokee to, and... Unfortunately, what he got ended up being a white suburban. So it's not like you're a reliable source. Not that anyone else associated with a TV show by that same name is a reliable source either, but I digress. There is no authority to just eliminate this debt. In fact, I'm hard-pressed to find the authority to, to create this moratorium on paying it back. I would love to find this authority that you guys have found for all kinds of stuff. Now, granted, if you're the ones who do the lockdowns, then maybe, just maybe, you should do something to try to help people get through the lockdowns. That's not totally unreasonable, but you still need to do it in a fashion that doesn't bankrupt the entire country. You need to do it in a way that doesn't lead to inflation that's so far out of control that you're starting to make the Jimmy Carter years look like the heyday. Jimmy Carter years now starting to look like the roaring 20s because of how bad things are now. I mean, things are so bad that I didn't even do one of my promotional things coming back from the mid-hour break back in the first hour. I didn't mention anything from My Patriot Supply or Built Bar or Fire and Flavor or, or any of the folks that I normally mention. I didn't even mention A.J. Rice's brand new upcoming book, The Woking Dead, slated to be released in the end of July. 
which I'll be giving away multiple copies of. And I would still love to encourage you guys to get in on uh, having your name as part of the drawing to get those books. All you got to do is share a link to this program on social media, tag me in it so that I can easily track uh, how it did, mention AJ's book, and, uh, you know, otherwise just go visit and pre-order. Go visit on Amazon and pre-order a copy of the book for yourself if you don't want to get in there and try to help uh, win yourself a free copy. But this whole idea, this notion of just forgiving this loan, how does that do any good, really? I mean, there is a lot to be said for being debt-free. I would love to be debt-free myself, but the thing is, it requires effort. And there are occasions and there are things that are worth going in debt for. Now, it's not ideal when they come along, things pop up. I just had several automotive issues that were not in my budget, were not uh, expected that I had to deal with. And I had just been working hard to bring some debt down uh, and just had to run it right back up. Now, thankfully, I had been working hard to get it down so that I could have enough room in my credit to, to go do that. But when you look at the amount of money that's being spent and – it would do so many good things for these students that you claim to be helping. Number one, if they figured out early on that some of these degrees that you're pushing are completely useless once they get out of college, they'll start going more towards practical education again. If a few people less got to go because they couldn't so freely get the debt, then the universities would have no choice but to lower the cost of getting a college degree. And in some cases, some of them might even have to elevate the academic standards and requirements uh, to actually start teaching for a quality education if these things were to happen. These are all positives. These are all good things. These are all things that should happen in the real world. And I get it. If you took on a little too much debt, now you're trying to shovel your way out from underneath it. It still comes back on you. You made that choice. I mean, like I just mentioned, oh, well, you know, what about when those things happen? What if you could afford to do it and then something crazy happened? Well, yeah, but you have to get yourself into a position where you can handle those crazy unexpected things too because that's the nature of life. If you literally knew everything that was going to happen, how many things would you just avoid or at least try to avoid? See, the problem with knowing what's going to happen is if it really is just going to happen, you probably can't avoid it. But how many of those things would you try to avoid? How many things would you start trying to scheme around the outside edges? Human nature is to try to, to get uh, the best out of circumstances, right? You have to do everything in your power to be prepared. That's part of why I talk a lot right now between these uh, expected food shortages that are already occurring on a limited basis in a lot of parts of the country, and it's only going to get worse. So I'm talking a lot about My Patriot Supply and Built Bar, those two in particular. And you know what? Blue coolers probably wouldn't hurt either because when you start having power outages, it might not be a bad idea to have something that's going to be able to keep your stuff cold for up to 10 days when your refrigerators aren't going to be running. 
When you're not going to be able to continue to put fuel in your generators if you're one of the folks that are prepared enough to have generators. But you can't go get the fuel after you burn up what you got because Biden's ended the energy programs in this country. My Patriot Supply starts looking real good right about then. So uh, if you would, I will go ahead and still put the uh, link in the show description, and I'll still ask you if you're listening to terrestrial radio, please just visit tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, into the truth, all one word, dot com. And scroll down past recent guests and click on the banners for My Patriot Supply. I'll ask you to do that so that will help to support this show as well. And I'm going to need all the support from you guys that I can get moving forward. We all will, with the Ministry of Truth breathing down my neck. And you know that's coming. It's just scary stuff. But these guys think that they can just keep giving away money and keep giving away money and keep giving away money. And at some point, there's going to be a reckoning. And that is the design. It's not a bug. It's the feature. From day one... Biden started destroying the United States economy. From day one, he walked into a situation where everything on the ground was in place, that all he had to do was continue what Trump had been doing to even end the shutdowns. That's all he had to do. And he would have been the recipient of one of the the greatest all-time economic turnarounds in history because if they just allowed everything to open up the way they should have, we would have rebounded, and the rest of the world would have been fighting to keep up. We wouldn't have the great resignation, as they call it, and we wouldn't be worrying about step, the next step, because we're, I was going to say step two, but we're well past step two at this point, but the next step of the great reset. wouldn't be worrying about it because we'd be back in our normal lives, where we should be. But instead... We're sitting here looking at stories with headlines of major tech CEO warns that chip shortages will last longer than we were told. Much longer. Pat uh, Gelsinger, CEO over at Intel, he was warning us this past Friday that the semiconductor shortage is going to last until 2024. He's saying that certain manufacturing tools remain unavailable which threatens to constrain chip-making capacity. He was telling this to CNBC, by the way. He said, quote, That's part of the reason that we believe the overall semiconductor shortage will now drift into 2024, from our earlier estimates of 2023. Just because the shortages have now hit equipment and some of those factory ramps that will be more challenged. Still quoting, we've really invested in those equipment relationships. Now, he said this while he's talking about dis uh, discussing the diversification of chip making away from Asia. Back to quoting, but that will be tempering the build out of capacity for us and everybody else. But we believe we're positioned better than the rest of the industry. Naturally, talking about Intel. CNBC also noted that the uh, company Intel is investing heavily in semiconductor factories in the United States and in Europe. Now, many Asian economies introduced a harsh lockdown measures again in response to COVID-19. 
creating bottlenecks in the global semiconductor supply chain. The automotive companies have been forced to limit or pause production due to problems involving semiconductors. Availability, that is. Worsening inflation pressures as vehicle prices surge at the highest rates in decades. Tesla, for example, they're not producing any new models for 2022. The rate of growth will depend on our equipment capacity, operational efficiency, and the capacity and stability of the supply chain. That's coming from Tesla officials at the shareholder presentation, which was announced in the company's fourth quarter of 2021. You know, the earnings meeting. They uh, said that, quote, our own factories have been running below capacity for several quarters as supply chains became the main limiting factor, which is likely to continue through 2022. So now in response, a lot of companies are racing to, to build new manufacturing facilities, even as local officials encourage productions in their states. Samsung is an example. They're, they're building a $17 billion semiconductor factory in Tyler, Texas. That would make it the largest foreign direct investment in the states in history. Greg Abbott said that, quote, companies like Samsung continue to invest in Texas because our world-class business climate and exceptional workforce Samsung's new semiconductor manufacturing facility in Tyler will bring countless opportunities for hardworking Central Texans and their families and will play a major role in our state's continued exceptionalism in the semiconductor industry. Meanwhile, Governor Ron DeSantis announced back in January that he would invest the state's funds to increase microchip and semiconductor manufacturing in Florida. They're going to do that so that the Chinese Communist Party cannot hold our supply chain hostage, saying, quote, we have to start standing up as Floridians and Americans. We cannot be captive. Key sectors of our economy should not be captive to some of these foreign nations, particularly outfits like the Communist Party of China. And then, even when you have allies like Taiwan, how that could impact if there was a disruption there, could throw a lot of this through the loop and even more than we've seen over the past year and a half. DeSantis continued by saying, so the more we have this capacity within our own country, but particularly within our own state here in Florida, the more opportunities there's going to be for people and the more secure both our economic supply chains will be and our national security. So some of the folks have got it right. Some of the folks have figured out exactly what's going on. But the problem is we have to rush to build this infrastructure that has been moved out of the country thanks to leftist policies, thanks to a climate that has been created in this country that's bad for business, a climate that continues to be exacerbated in states like California. And they keep scratching their head. They can't figure out why are there fewer and fewer businesses in the state of California. California is a great place to have a business. Well, it used to be. But the more you create a hostile environment for businesses by your political agenda, the more of those businesses that are going to leave. Sooner or later, there's not going to be anybody left who even wants to do business in 
the state of California. You're going to have folks over in Nevada and in Arizona, uh, even folks in Washington State and in Oregon that are going to be like, no, it costs too much to even to, to manufacture products to the specs that you want them before we can even ship them into you. So, you know, good luck. Just make your own. California is literally on the verge of being able to isolate themselves from the rest of the country just based on their bad business environment. Now, I seem to recall multiple conversations with my friend Ron Edwards right on this show as we've talked about time and time and time yet again about how bad of an idea it was to let so much of our economy depend on nations that were either China or are under the sphere of influence of China. Now, we didn't say these things out of some hatred of the Chinese people. We didn't say these things because we honestly believe that, you know, open markets can't conduct great business with international trading partners. We made these statements because we know the Chinese Communist Party controls nearly everything that happens within the confines of China and has way more undue influence uh, in these circles that they are, uh, you know, that are within their sphere of influence. We know that their agenda is not, hey, let's go help out the world. Their agenda is to take over the world. Their agenda is the same agenda of every other communist nation that has ever existed. To convince the people that they need to support the proletariat and that the proletariat is going to defend them from the evils of everyone else. That's the danger. We recognize how dangerous China is and we continue to do business with them as if they're our buddy, our friend. We continue to enrich a nation that has and continues to work towards an ultimate goal to overthrow not just our nation, but every other nation as well. Oh, Jim, that's ridiculous. They're, they're being real friendly with Russia right now. Yeah, because they see Russia as a test balloon for what they're doing, and they know they're going to need allies to overthrow the more powerful nations. It doesn't mean they don't have plans for what to do as soon as their struggle is over. They find a way to be victorious and, oops, well, sorry about all that stuff that just happened there in Russia, too. Looks like we're going to have to take over there. Make no mistake about it. They, they are playing an extremely long game. They're extremely patient, and they have contingencies, and they have plans for both their allies and their declared enemies. And just FYI, the United States of America is on the list of their declared enemies. But no matter who you're talking to, even if we were just sending stuff to Canada and Mexico and uh, England, it's a bad idea to let a high percentage of your manufacturing be done abroad. It's a bad idea to become so dependent on foreign nations for your stuff because sooner or later, you may not be able to get it. Maybe through no fault of your own, maybe through no fault of their own, but it's, but it's still a heck of a lot harder on you as a nation when you suddenly have to play catch-up with rebuilding infrastructure that once upon a time you had, and in abundance, and still should. 
Let's take the mid-hour break. I'm I'm getting exasperated with this topic. Stay right where you're at. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Come on, man. All men and women created by gold. You know the you know the thing. Lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. If we are not in the final days, they cannot be far off. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Eva Brunn, the world's first openly lesbian supposed Christian bishop, has mentally gone off the rails and is calling for the church to remove crosses and to install Muslim prayer space. The leftist lesbian bishop of Stockholm wants her church to basically turn from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and literally remove every single sign of the cross and put down markings showing the direction to Mecca for the benefit of Islamic Muslim worshipers. Bishop Eva Brunn has a young son, God help him, and fellow lesbian priest Ganella Linden, her wife, made the suggestion to make other faiths, particularly Islam, more welcome. In my humble opinion, Bishop Eva Brunn represents a dangerous latter-day practice of destroying the biblically-based bedrock of the Western world. Such dangerous theological unthinking is prevalent in many U.S. churches that have gone woke and no longer teach the true gospel, and the awful result of such tomfoolery is all around us. May we get back to God before America is all gone. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. What's getting walked back? It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. With the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts, and I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when they uh, Russia moved into uh, in, in the southeast southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there. Some of you've been there. And we know none of the three occurred. Weapons could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would. It would trigger a response in kind. And we know none of the three occurred. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. And we know none of the three occurred. One has to wonder who in Hades do Department of Justice officials think they are. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. The last time I checked, 
very recently, according to the United States Constitution, it is Congress's responsibility to make laws, pass them, then it's up to the president to either sign his approval or veto the bill. On the other hand, the Department of Justice is designated to be part of the government apparatus that goes and investigates criminal activity, not make up new dictatorial mandates. The CDC also does not have the constitutional authority to bully we the people into wearing face diapers, whether they think we should or not. Unfortunately, we the people have allowed almost all government departments and politicians to no longer operate within the boundaries of proper constitutional constraints. As a result, both government departments and And like the DOJ and CDC and leftist politicians, both Democrats and Republicans wrongfully use face diapers, scamdemics and whatever to try and demolish our God-given unalienable rights and exceptional nation way of life. To that, I say no way, Jose. What say you? I'm Ron Edwards. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the, foot, uh, foot, excuse me, in the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. Imagine had the tobacco industry been immune to, to being sued. Come on. I think everyone here recognizes how extraordinary space is. Whether it is satellites that orbit the Earth, humans that land on the moon, or telescopes that peer into the furthest reaches of the universe. Space is exciting. It spurs our imaginations, and it forces us to ask big questions. Space, it affects us all, and it connects us all. There are so many opportunities in space for our country and for all of humanity, from science to commerce to national security. Well, we obviously didn't expect the decision because uh, we wouldn't have known in advance how a court would act. Um, so, uh, and we disagreed with the decision immediately. So, uh, the immediate steps were to determine uh, what power we had to respond to that. Obviously, that uh, that uh, came in the form of uh, the Department of Justice, came in the form of the CDC acting um, and putting out the statements that they did, but. Um, you know, we also don't take photos of flights as data about how the country reacts uh, to issues, um, you know, as whether they're ripping off their, their masks or not. I mean, our focus here was seeing what power we had to preserve, but also to preserve the CDC authority over the long term, because as we've noted from here, we expect there to be ups and downs in the pandemic, and we certainly want the CDC to continue to have this authority. We have the ability to see what can be unburdened by what has been, and then to make the possible actually happen. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap Into the Truth.
Well, thank you, Ron. Thank you very much. And uh, I am indeed Tim Tapp, and this is Tap Into the Truth. And we continue to go day by day trying to hang on to some sanity and trying to fight back against the leftists as they drag this great republic kicking and screaming down the into the depths of their dystopian hellscape. That's where they want us to be. We're not going to just go quietly, though, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to continue to speak up, speak out, push back, and, if necessary, go further uh, as they deem it necessary. Uh, the choice is theirs. They can either understand that this is a nation under God, under God's grace, with God's protection, and that we are righteous rebels and have been since the start. That's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. We're rebels for liberty. We're, we're pushbacks against tyranny. Uh, we send a strong message to King George way back in the day, and the message remains the same. Tyrants will not be tolerated. And in places where they've forgotten that simple fact, it's our responsibility as patriots to to relight those flames of liberty and remind the American public in general that tyranny comes in many forms and it comes always in the name of what's best. It always comes in the name of protecting freedoms and it comes in the form of ministries of truth. Okay, so earlier, I think actually back in the first hour, this being the second hour of it, two-hour broadcast taking place on May 1st. I teased a story involving Disney, and uh, I guess I need to go ahead and get there since I'm swiftly running out of time. The headline from this story is Disney PR executive quits after a botched response to Florida law against teaching very young kids about friends, gender, and sex theories. All right, so the Disney public relations executive who had a key role in the company's disastrous response to the Florida law, barring public school teachers from making part of their curriculum the woke sex and gender fluidity theories. Well, he's leaving the beleaguered company after just three months. Chief Corporate Affairs Officer Jeff Morrell who crafted the company's initial neutral stance on the law, said in a letter that was obtained by CNBC, uh, said in a letter that the job was a bad fit. Disney later reversed its position under pressure from fringe groups and activist employees, and its stock has since plummeted. In addition, Governor Ron DeSantis signed into law a bill stripping Disney of its long-standing tax breaks and carve-outs that gave its Orlando theme park unprecedented autonomy. After three months in this new role, it has become clear to me, quoting from the letter now, it's become clear to me that for a number of reasons it is not the right fit. After talking this over with Bob, that's D Disney CEO Bob Chapik, I have decided to leave the company to pursue other opportunities. Now, Morrell, he's a former ABC White House correspondent and a Pentagon spokesman under President George W. Bush and Barack Obama. 
He took the job at Disney back in January, uh, around the 24th, actually, after a stint with uh, BP, the uh, oil giant. He quickly ensnared the company in controversy when he advised Chapik to go public with Disney's reasons for not taking a stand on the Florida legislation critics inaccurately called Don't Say Gay. But Chapik's open letter enraged a cadre of woke LGBTQ employees, and the CEO soon backtracked. Now, sources close to morale told CNBC that the executive warned the company to stay out of the controversy, fretting that it could open the door to accusations of hypocrisy due to Disney's close ties with China's oppressive Communist Party leadership. Morale also worried that the stance against the Florida bill would bring withering criticism from former President Donald Trump and from the governor, Ron DeSantis, which proved to be absolutely correct. Morrell's decision to publicize its neutral stance helped trigger a backlash that then prompted Chapek to cave. Disney workers have held walkouts and recalled for Chapek to be fired before and after he delivered the groveling apology that he did offer up. They want him fired for the initial decision not to oppose the law, which, of course, every credible poll existing shows that uh, this particular law was, in fact, well, it's supported by a vast majority of Floridians and a vast majority of Americans. As a result, Disney's stock has sunk from a 52-week high of $190 a share to just $111 a share, and uh, the, uh, the controversy continues to push it lower. With the company losing tens of billions of dollars in market capitalization as a result, the guy says he's out. Now, here's the question that I have that I can't seem to find much of an answer. He wanted to publicize the neutral position. Bob Jpeg had uh, this idea, this desire to have a neutral position to begin with. He wanted to take the company back to a more let's do our business. And yet he failed to follow the example of the CEO over at Coinbase who just said, all right, look, here's the deal. Uh, when something directly affects the industry we're working in, we will comment about the politics involved. But those comments are going to come from the C-suite, not from you, the regular employee. You're here to do your work, so do your work. I'm not going to have you conducting political activism while you're on the clock. I'm not going to have you using company resources for your political activism. You're free to do whatever political activism you want to when you're off the clock and using your own equipment. That's fine. You're an American citizen. Go do what you want to. But it doesn't happen here. When you're here, you're on my time. When you're here, you're conducting business. We go to work when we're at work. That was the model. He told him point blank. Anybody who has a problem with that? You can let me know. I'll give you a nice severance package. We'll part. I'll at least be friendly. I don't care how you feel about it. But we're not going to do it here. That's the model that every CEO in America should be following. Problem is there's way too many CEOs who are also indoctrinated. Now, there's a good number of them that are simply being bullied 
in hopes of getting a good ESG score. They're acting out of fear that somehow financial institutions are going to prevent them from being able to maintain or to grow market share uh, because they're going to give them a bad ESG score. Also part of the Great Reset, by the way. So some are afraid, and some are actually activists themselves. And in those cases, well, that's a shame because they're losing, they're losing sight of what their business is. They're losing sight of the fact that you can talk about stakeholder capitalism all you want to, but stockholder capitalism is what you're engaged in if you're a publicly traded company. The stockholders are who you need to keep happy. There are legal remedies to your poor behavior if your behavior is, in fact, causing an issue with your fiduciary responsibilities. This guy issued the statement, and then he wanted Chapek to be bold and come forward and say, this is not our dog, it's not our fight. It's not our circus, these aren't our monkeys. Chapek wanted to stay neutral. That much had been made clear before. He wanted to go back to a neutral position. This guy, working in that top PR spot, wanted to try to make sure that that was known. This pushback from the leftist employees and this so-called walkouts, these walkouts that occurred mostly in California and still mostly with just one or two people. One of these so-called walkouts only occurred. One person technically walked out, one, and he wasn't scheduled to be working that day. He just stopped by the office and then he was hanging out. Oh, we're doing this today. Okay, I'll hang out. Nobody else hung out with him. It's not like there were a lot of employees in the company that felt strongly enough to want to risk losing their job. They recognize it's good to have a job with Disney, and it's even better to have a job right now where you can go to work because so many other folks, uh, they're not in that same situation right now because of the Biden administration policies that have occurred since he took office. There are times in your life when the appropriate thing to do is to take a stand. There are times in your life when the appropriate thing to do is to walk away from a, a position or a job that you may have if you see that they are doing something wrong. If you are an activist and you feel so strongly that you need to be pushing as much queer content into kids' programming as possible, then maybe you need to go start your own company. That's not the vision that Walt Disney had. It should not be the mission statement or the goals and agenda of the Disney company. Disney, like any other media company, should be primarily concerned about telling good stories. Not trying to force woke indoctrination down anybody's throat. Not trying to uh, program children. Just tell good stories. That's the media you're in. Your theme parks uh, are derived from the stories that you tell and from the fact that people enjoy and like the stories you're telling. So just go tell good stories. There's nothing wrong with adding some social content to it. You can make commentary on the, the state of the world, but you have to walk that balance between what's just enough to make your point – and still tell a good story. And then what is too much where you're smacking somebody in the face with it and they're like, nope, that's it, I'm out. I cannot continue to watch this anymore if this is how it's going to continue. 
people tune out, and then you lose. Now, I get the impression that this guy is leaving because now behind the scenes, he's feeling like he's taking a lot of heat for things that were out of his control. The stock prices tanking are not a result of what he recommended. They're a result of JPEG caving to these people and then seeing a lot of folks dumping their shares in the company, which a lot of people were still uh, big on uh, Disney being woke. But once they started losing the tax breaks for this carve out that happened, well, folks wanted to, to dive. The, and it wouldn't surprise me if Disney stock doesn't end up below 100 a share, which then would be a great opportunity for some more conservative minded folks to take that opportunity to buy up a bunch of shares at a, a discounted rate and then start showing up at the shareholder meetings again and put the kibosh on this. Stop them from moving forward with the agenda because a devaluation of the stock price isn't going to stop this agenda they're promoting. It sends a message to a lot of important people that make decisions there that affect the bottom line, but it doesn't send a strong enough message, and it doesn't send enough of a message. What does is when shareholders, especially significant shareholders, show up and say, hey, look, guys, you've got a fiduciary responsibility. Don't make us take you to court. Don't make us change out who the directors are. Don't make us change out who the CEO is. Don't make us do that. We will. We don't want to. But we've invested too much money to let you just sink this ship, a ship that practically floats on its own, a ship that literally doesn't have to come up with any more content at all to remain relevant for decades to come, yet has a ton of new content scheduled and planned. Between their Star Wars projects and their Marvel projects alone, they got a ton of stuff now with where they're at in both of those uh, medias. Hopefully they can continue to deliver quality stuff. But that's not really the issue. The issue here is this guy is having to leave, and I get the strong vibe from it that this guy showed up, he did the job he was asked to do, and then he got thrown under the bus for it, and he's still departing in a fashion that's not going to uh, prevent him from being able to get another similar job somewhere down the road. This guy did his job, and he did the right thing, trying to make public the stance, the idea that they wanted to be politically neutral, that they just wanted to get back to telling stories. That is, after all, the job at Disney. That's going to have to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so very much. As always, I greatly appreciate you spending this time with me. And, uh, you know, as always, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, stay uh, safe if you can. I mean, crime's going up still. You're not hearing it every day like you were, but it's still going up. Stay healthy if you can because, you know, got to get outside and enjoy the weather as we move into spring and then summer. Uh, and, you know, get into shape so you can run away from all the food riots that are coming. <laughs> and uh, also, be smart out there, even if it goes against your nature. Uh, uh, hey, Joe, one last message for you, too. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go. Hey.